Sometimes it's the nerdiest of debates that can hold the biggest consequences. And nobody knows this better than regulators. Today, we introduce our namesake segment for this podcast, Simply Stated. For each edition of this segment, we want to talk to an expert, dig into the weeds, and try to understand a complex issue with real and significant consequences. This week, I want to get to the bottom of a single sentence that makes my head spin. CSBS is concerned the Community Bank Leverage Ratio Prompt Corrective Action Framework as proposed by the federal agencies, does not meet the intent behind Section 201 of S-2155. As proposed, the rule would actually result in regulatory burden that exceeds any relief provided to community banks. What exactly is the community bank leverage ratio? Heck, for my personal purposes, what exactly is a leverage ratio in the first place? What is prompt corrective action? And how do all of these things impact community banks? We're going to talk about all of that and more today. I'm Matt Longacre, and this is Simply Stated. So I'm joined with uh, Mike Townsley, our policy counsel. Uh, welcome, Mike. Hi, Matt. And we are going to be talking about what a leverage ratio is, what a community bank leverage ratio is. So to start out with, Mike, what is a leverage ratio? Thanks, Matt. So um, a leverage ratio is a capital ratio. And a capital ratio is a, um, a metric used by bank regulators to measure the ability of a bank to absorb unexpected losses. And they put this in place to, to prevent the bank, or at least to, to prevent the likelihood that a bank would uh, become insolvent. And the measure is ultimately there to protect depositors, because banks obviously take our deposits and, and, and lend money. So there's a risk of, um, obviously, insolvency, um, the bank losing, uh, um, or the depositor losing money. Um, so. A leverage ratio, if you were to define, is just it's a bank's capital divided by its total asset. So bank regulators use a leverage ratio as a sort of safety and soundness tool. And what they do is they impose minimum capital ratio requirements that require banks to hold capital against a certain percentage of their assets. So right now the leverage ratio uh, uh, minimum is 4%. So that means a bank has to hold four cents for every dollar it, it lends or every dollar it has in assets. And so uh, yeah, that's basically what a, a leverage ratio is. Got it. And so leverage ratios are used in, in business as well, but those are a little different. They're, they're uh, capital over, over, over debt or equity. So these are slightly different then. Right. And so uh, it, it, the effect is, 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 is similar. So it limits the extent to which the bank can grow by requiring them to hold a certain amount of equity. The uh, amount of debt they can obtain is, um, is 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 limited. Got it. So this leverage ratio is a is a simple ratio. Um, are there other capital ratios banks are subject to? Yes. Uh, so other than the leverage ratio, the other main type of capital ratio is what's called a risk based capital ratio, 
And a risk-based capital ratio is, is similar to a leverage ratio. It, that is, it's um, capital over um, a certain measure of assets, but whereas with a leverage ratio, it was capital over total assets. In a risk-based capital ratio, it's capital divided by what, are, what is called risk-weighted assets. And risk-weighted assets is calculated by grouping a bank's assets into different classes um, according to their, their relative um, credit risk involved in, in, in those asset classes, and then adjusting those, those, the amount of the assets to reflect that, the relative credit risk. So a risk-based capital ratio is different from a leverage ratio in that the, the denominator, the asset measure, is, is, is calculated in a different way. You can look at it as a leverage ratio as essentially a risk-based capital ratio where all of the assets are weighted at 100%. Yeah, or inversely, a leverage. Uh, the leverage ratio is a very simple version that is just numerator over denominator, um, capital over assets, uh, and a risk-weighted uh, capital ratio is more complex and it weights what's in the in the denominator. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, with all that in mind, why do regulators care about uh, leverage ratios? So, bank regulators care about. Leverage ratios and, and capital ratios generally, because having adequate capital, a bank having adequate, adequate capital, reduces the likelihood of, its, of it becoming insolvent. And from a system-wide perce- perspective, it enhances the resiliency of the banking system, system um, to, with, to withstand a crisis or a downturn. Um, the business model of banks, given that they are rely- heavily reliant on deposit funding, uh, makes them prone to what are called bank runs, and that is essentially where de- depositors um, uh, go and attempt to withdraw all of their money because they are, are uh, um, concerned that the, b- the bank is insolvent. And this they could be this could be an unwarranted fear. They could not, you know, they might not uh, the bank might not actually be insolvent, but just the depositors going and 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 having that fear and withdrawing their money will actually. Uh, push the bank into insolvency. So high cap- having high capital requirements and, and imposing capital ratio requirements is one way to um, instill confidence in the public um, um, that, the, that their deposits are safe and that the, and that the banks themselves are, are, are solvent and, and well capitalized. Um, <clears throat> and, just, and the other uh, important part about a, a capital ratios and why bank regulators care about it is that it incentivizes shareholders, uh, that is the holders of the stock that the bank issues, the holders of the capital, to to monitor for uh, excessive risk-taking by the bank. So it's one more way of sort of um, controlling and monitoring a bank's, a bank's behavior and preventing it from taking excessive, excessive risks. So essentially, uh, regulators are, are saying, hey, look, you're leveraging yourself pretty far. We want to make sure you're doing it in a safe and sound manner. And we want to instill confidence in your consumers that you aren't going to fail. So there's not a bank run. So we're uh, implementing these leverage ratios to make sure that you, that you meet some minimum standards. And if you drop below those, there are certain actions that we, the regulators, will take to rein you back in and get you back above that that ratio. That's correct, yes. Got it. So you answered a little bit already about why the community banks themselves care about the leverage ratio, um, particularly share, shareholders. It incentivizes them to, uh, to look out for risk. Um, 
what is this new concept that Congress passed and that we've heard about a recent rule that's called the community bank leverage ratio? Um, yeah. So <clears throat> if I could if I could just say one thing, because you did mention, you know, that the bank the bank obviously cares about the the ca- uh, what its leverage ratio is because of the actions the reg- regulators can take to mm-hmm. to um, <clears throat> police or to rein in a bank that is that that uh, has is ca- its capital is deteriorating. And I just want to mention because it's going to come back later is so a major tool that regulators use to do this is called uh, the Prompt Corrective Action Framework. And this was established in 1991 um, to allow for bank regulators to take prompt corrective action to prevent losses to the deposit insurance fund. That's the fund uh, um, administered by the FDIC. So under PCA, banks are classified into five categories depending on what their leverage and risk-based capital ratios are. So, so this prompt corrective action uh, impacts banks uh, because when they drop below a certain uh, asset threshold or a certain leverage ratio, the regulators are going to, to take action to get them back above it. And so this impacts the community bank leverage ratio too, I guess. So it, so it, it will play. Yeah, it, it unfortunately has come to play in here. Um, so so what exactly is that community bank leverage ratio? Yeah. So uh, community bank leverage ratio was established uh, under the uh, banking reform law that was passed last year. Uh, under Section Two Hundred One of that law, they uh, the Congress directed the ag- the federal banking agencies to. Uh, establish a uh, uh, essentially a simple leverage ratio uh, somewhere between eight and ten percent. And if a bank, a community bank, um, which the law defines as a bank with less than ten billion dollars in assets, if if a community bank exceeds that level set by the agencies, then then it does not need to worry about complying with risk-based capital requirements. Well, why would a bank? Why? What's? I guess you might ask, what's the intent here? What's the What's the? <clears throat> why would a bank want to get out of reporting risk-based capital requirements? What's what's what is the CBLR, the community bank leverage ratio, trying to answer? And I think to understand that, you have to sort of look at how the risk-based capital requirements have developed. When uh, when the risk-based capital uh, rules were introduced in the 1980s, the risk weighting methodology was was relatively simple. Uh, relatively few risk weights applied across broad classes of assets. Um, assets weren't distinguished or differentiated to a great extent, um, and and it was fairly simple, a simple um, <clears throat> effort just to slot your assets into these these different buckets and apply the appropriate risk weight to calculate your risk um, your risk weighted assets. As as over time, though, the particularly since the eighty since the eighties and these rules were introduced. Um, Banking, well, particularly the the business model and risk profile of large, complex banks, became significantly more complicated. And as a result, the um, the risk-based capital rules needed to be updated and 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 revised to reflect that. Introducing that type of risk differentiation is important, and it, it increases what's called the risk sensitivity of the rule. However, it also creates complexity um, because that means we're we're distinguishing between more more types of assets, applying more types of or more risk weights and different risk weights to these different types of assets. So, you know, greater risk sensitivity comes with more complexity. Um, <clears throat> so that there's sort of a a trade-off there. Um, you 
you ideally you would if you're going to be differentiating between different types of asset classes it will come with more risk sensitivity and not just simply more complexity however as i mentioned the business model risk profile of large banks has evolved significantly since the 1980s but that's not necessarily the case for your small traditional community banks and so what they were experiencing was significantly more complicated risk-based capital rules that weren't in any way more sensitive to their risk profile than they were in 198 than when they were than they than they were when they were introduced in the 1980s so <laughs> there's been complaints particularly since 2013 when these new, uh, when the most recent um, significant revisions of the risk-based capital rules were were proposed, that the current risk-based capital rules are too complicated for community banks. That is, they're not sensitive to the risk profile of community banks. They're differentiating between risks bet- that community banks just don't don't um, take on. So that is what you see. That this sort of set the stage for the CBLR, and the CBLR is intended to answer that problem. The thought being that a community bank that has a high enough leverage ratio should not need to report and comply with the current risk-based capital rules because we can be assured of its solvency and its safety and soundness simply by virtue of having that higher uh, leverage ratio. And it is much higher. An 8% um, leverage ratio is is much higher than what is currently required to be well capitalized for, from a leverage ratio perspective, which is 5%. So basically, you know, you're a small community bank, um, you've got a basic, you know, simple leverage ratio and the risk-based capital ratio. And over time, this risk-based capital ratio has become more and more complicated for you to calculate. It's become harder for you to figure out the details for this, largely because it's tracking with what these large banks are doing. Mm-hmm. So Congress sees this, Congress sees there's a problem, and says, hey, let's produce this community bank leverage ratio, mm-hmm. right? And now what they're going to do with this leverage ratio or what they hoped it would do would be to uh, make it simpler as long as a community bank or a bank with what, less than $10 billion in assets is willing to have a higher simple leverage ratio. So that's about right. That's about right. So what went wrong in this whole process? Because it seems like everyone had good intentions. Right. And so, I mean, I think uh, the the agency proposed a rule recently, um, which to implement Section 2, to implement the CBLR framework. And essentially what they proposed was, well, I guess let me just back up. So Section 201 is very clear on what happens when you exceed the CBLR of which the agencies have set at 9%. So it's very clear what happens, the consequence of that, which is you don't have to comply with risk-based capital rules and you don't have to report risk-based capital ratios and such. But it's not clear on what happens when a community bank that has exceeded the leverage ratio, uh, the CBLR, fails to subsequently fails to exceed the CBLR. What happens when they fall below the CBLR? It's just not, not clear. So what the agencies have proposed is to establish a separate PCA framework, separate from the PCA framework I was discussing uh, earlier, which would track and align with the CBLR. So essentially a bank that falls below the CBLR would subsequently be, unless it opted out, which the agencies are allowing, uh, so unless the bank opts out and begins reporting risk-based capital, 
if it falls below 9% CBLR, it will be deemed less than well capitalized. We don't believe, uh, CSBS has, has in its recent letter, that you know we don't think it's appropriate to establish this separate PCA framework and that other procedures can be can be um, developed or established that would allow a community bank to transition back into compliance with with the risk-based capital rules when its CBLR fall, falls below 9%. So what I'm hearing is there's a concern that um, a community bank might become interested in this, uh, increase their leverage ratio, meet this new community bank leverage ratio requirement, then over time they're going, you know, they might no longer be tracking their risk-based capital ratio, the more complex one. Mm -hmm. And then if they fall below that 9% and the regulators are saying, oh, hey, well, you can just switch back to risk-based capital ratio, they no longer have the resources or the compliance officers to do that. That is the concern, and that is one reason the agencies have proposed to establish uh, the PCA framework. Um, we just we and we understand the difficulty that will be involved in coming back into compliance with the the risk-based capital rules. At the same hand, we don't believe that difficulty is more burdensome than the consequence of being deemed less than well capitalized at a nine percent CBLR. Um, yeah, so that's our, our basic uh, position on that. So what we're saying is, or what I'm hearing is, um, if this rule that's been proposed by federal regulators is implemented as is, then best case scenario is, is or I guess a, a good case scenario is that, is that it's largely unused because, you know, a lot of banks will see this and say, well, I don't want to risk uh, getting into prompt corrective action, or a, maybe a worst case scenario is that a whole bunch of banks do it out of to, to get this benefit of simplicity, and then we have some sort of a credit crunch or a crisis, and a large number of banks fall below that nine percent and struggle to return to that risk based capital ratio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and potentially maybe get stuck in the CBLR, which is a significantly more binding capital requirement that is re- will require me banks to have. Uh, much higher surplus above the CBLR than what they currently hold above their risk-based capital requirements. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't characterize the. I think CSBS wants the CBLR framework to be an attractive option for community banks, and we want definitely wants to provide the regulatory relief intended uh, by Congress. Um, and we believe getting, you know, eliminating this PCA framework and developing other procedures for handling a bank default below the CBLR is the best way to do that. Um, but I don't, and I, so I think that's probably the best best case scenario. Um, but I, we definitely don't want to see, you know, community banks not uh, electing to use the CBLR because it wasn't implemented in a way that provides relief. So there's a better best case scenario out there that is still possible, um, and so state and federal regulators are are talking about that. Uh, yeah, um, ongoing discussions uh, with the federal with our federal counterparts, uh, talking about this uh, with with industry and, and community banks as well. Try to gauge what the best path forward is. All right, sounds like we at least have a plan. Uh, thanks so much, Mike, for uh, coming in and talking to me. Thank you. So what did I learn today? Forgive me to the policy wonks for my vast oversimplification here. 
First, I learned that banks use both a simple leverage ratio and a risk-weighted asset ratio. And the risk-weighted asset ratio is pretty complicated. Well, capital, the numerator of that ratio, is somewhat straightforward. Risk-weighted assets, the denominator, has become increasingly complicated over time. Small banks, who do not have the same risk profile as large banks, are facing a bit of a compliance challenge when they're calculating their risk-weighted assets. So Congress noticed this problem and passed legislation as part of a broader package, asking regulators to make a new community bank leverage ratio. The promise was that if a community bank holds a high level of capital, they will no longer need to calculate their risk-weighted assets. So the intent was to reduce burden. However, if a small bank falls below this new leverage ratio requirement, which is significantly higher than the current one, they'll either need to revert back to the risk-weighted asset calculation, or they're going to face prompt corrective action and get reined in by their regulators. So CSPS is concerned that should a bank choose to follow this new community bank leverage ratio, it will become increasingly difficult to switch back if necessary. Not only would a bank need to calculate the more burdensome leverage ratio like they used to, they're going to have to start over from scratch, and they may not have the same compliance staff and knowledge they once had. So CSBS and state regulators are working with their federal counterparts to find a solution that either allows community banks time to return to compliance with the new leverage ratio, or provides community banks with the appropriate amount of assistance to return to the more complicated asset calculation. So there you have it. I learned a lot in the process of making this interview, and I hope you learned a lot from listening. If you'd like to follow our podcast, you can find us on your favorite podcasting app. We're we're still working on iTunes, y'all, but it's coming soon. If you're struggling to find us, you can navigate to this podcast at the csbs.org newsroom, and there'll be handy links for all the major podcasting services right below this recording. You can also subscribe to our blogs there, and you'll get these straight to your inbox. Thanks so much for tuning in. This was Simply Stated.